0: Welcome to Growing in Grace. You know, the last words that we hear in Scripture from the Apostle Peter are these, from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. The very last verse says, "...but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen." That's what we're all about here at Growing in Grace. We want to try to give you things from Scripture that will help boost you in your uh, personal walk with the Lord and growing in grace. So anyway, welcome back. I want to uh, speak today from uh, Psalm 56. Psalm 56, if you have a copy of the Scriptures, uh, please turn there. If you're driving, then just uh, listen closely. I'm about to read it. But uh, Psalm 56 uh, the I want to read the inscription. I don't always do this, but there's an inscription above Psalm 56 that says this: "To the choir master, according to the dove on far off Terabents, a mictum of David, when the Philistines seized him in Gath." And then I'm going to read the text: "Be gracious to me, O God, for man." tramples on me all day long an attacker oppresses me my enemies trample on me all day long for many attack me proudly when i'm afraid i put my trust in you in god whose word i praise in god i trust i shall not be afraid what can flesh do to me all day long they injure my cause All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape. In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God, I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. You know, did you pick up on David saying to the Lord, in God, I trust. That's the title of the message today. In God, I trust. You know, we have it on our coins and on some of our currency. uh, These words, in God, we trust. You know that the Secretary of Treasury uh, back in 1861, his name was Salmon Chase. When looking for a motto for the U.S. currency, he said this, he wrote it in a letter to James Pollack. He said, no nation can be strong except in the strength of God or safe except in his defense. The trust of our people in God should be declared on our national coins. Wow, that was 1861. But what's even more staggering to consider is that Francis Scott Key, when he penned those famous words in the Star-Spangled Banner in 1814, so we're going from 1861 all the way back to 1814, in that final stanza, he wrote these words, and this be our motto, in God is our trust and the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. It's no wonder that in 1956, when President Eisenhower was in office, that they approved that being the, uh, the motto. But here's the question I want to ask. Yes, it's the motto on our coins, but is it the motto of your life? Is that the way that you live? You know, this is the way that David lived. If you were to go to 1 Samuel 21, verses 10 through chapter 22, verse 1, you would find out that David was running from Saul. And you know what he did? He ran across the line and went into Philistine territory. And he went to a place called Gath. And that was mentioned in the inscription. Do you remember when it said to the dove on far off Terebinth, a victim of David, when the Philistines seized him in Gap? David goes across the line running from King Saul, who's after him, who had already thrown a spear at him. Have anyone ever thrown a spear at you? They haven't done that to me. I hope I, hope I don't ever see that. But anyway, uh, he was definitely running. And he went across that line and he went to Gath. Do you remember a guy named Goliath? David killed and defeated a man named Goliath, and he was from Gath. And so I'm not exactly sure why he picked Goliath's hometown to go to hide in as a refuge from King Saul, but he did. And it was a mistake. And that's where I want us to begin as we talk about this whole idea of in God I trust. You see, I think when we read the first words of this Psalm, Psalm 56 verse one, we read these words that David said back then. He's in the jail in Gath. He is not sure what the Philistine king named Achish is going to do with him. So he cries out to God and he says, be gracious to me, O God. I think he knew that he had gone too far he had crossed the line. Perhaps he had stepped outside of God's will for his life. Maybe that's where you are these days. You know that there's things in your life, you're outside of God's perfect plan. And you're wondering, does he still love me? Well, I just want to say something from David's experience here, from Scripture, that's uh, such an incredible authority for all of us. And that is... We may step outside of God's will, but we can never step outside of God's grace, outside of his mercy. I just find it so interesting that here's a guy who knows he's not where he should be. And he says, be gracious to me, O God. Is that your default setting? You know, here he is uh, over there. He describes himself as this dove uh, a a dove all by itself in a far off terebinth tree. I couldn't help but think about lonesome dove for those of us that enjoy Western films, but here he is like a lonesome dove in a far off place and he knows he's not where he should be. And he just cries out to God for mercy, for grace. Do you remember Peter, one of the disciples whenever he, uh, was standing afar off from the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says that while they were interrogating Jesus, Peter was out there warming himself at a fire with those who were not of the faith, those who were just standing around a fire on a cold night. They asked him, weren't you one of them? He denied it. He denied Jesus three times. One time he even had to use some kind of cursing in order to convince them but there was a good man turning in the wrong direction and hanging out with the wrong people. Is that you? Are you alone? Do you feel alone in a failure? You may feel alone, but are you really alone? I believe the Lord is just one prayer away if you would just cry out to him. See, David's trust was still in God, even on the other side in the Philistine territory. But of course, verses one and two bring us to the next observation about this text, and that is David was indeed attacked by foes. He says, man tramples me, an attacker opposes me, my enemies trample on me, many attack me proudly. Wow. He definitely was uh, in hostile territory. Maybe you feel that way. You know, I believe that. Every Christian has three enemies that just seem to pound on us, don't they? The devil, the world system, and then the flesh. You know, have you ever thought about I've met the enemy and the enemy is me? <laughs> That's what I've heard before. That's That can definitely be the biggest enemy we face is on the inside, not someone else trying to get us to do the wrong thing. But all I can say is even when he was attacked by all these foes, his trust was still in the Lord. You know, I noticed that there were at least two times that David made this observation about all of these attacks. And that is, he says, all day long. He says it twice, verses one and two, all day long. And so I got to thinking about that. You know, it was like a perpetual antagonism. Perhaps if they could see into his jail cell, many of the people in Gath kept coming by and saying, you were the hero when you brought down Goliath, but you're not the hero now. You're a zero. We're going to have your head, David. Can you imagine? You know, I believe that if we're under pressure for a prolonged period of time, if that doesn't let up, no one can take that. We grow Weary. We experience fatigue. I believe the third observation, I would call it assailable due to fatigue. You know, whenever we're feeling good and we're rested and there are no other problems, all of life is good, man, the enemy may not be able to get through to get your, uh, push your buttons. But what about if you're tired and run down? and you haven't made the time to spend a little extra time with the Lord, all I can say is that fatigue can set you up. There was a great prophet. He was strong in the Lord. He trusted the Lord just like David. But there was a great prophet in the Old Testament named Elijah. And oh, he experienced a great victory. But right after that victory, you know what happened to him? He became so run down and so tired that he says to the Lord, you know what, Lord? I've had it. I've had enough. Would you just take my life? You can read all about it in 1 Kings 19. Maybe you're feeling that way these days. Is there any way in your discretionary time that you can make some time just to rest, just to do something that will actually recharge you and refill you? I mean, continuous pressure is is not good for anyone. All of us need a day of rest, and the Lord knew that. And that's why he designed us to have one day in seven that we can rest. I just encourage you, don't miss that point, because that can definitely make, uh, make it where you're not growing in faith or growing in grace, growing in the Lord like uh, the Lord has planned for you. But well, because they continued this over and over again, there's a fourth observation, a fourth point that I want to bring out. It's found in verses three and four. It may be a little hard to look at, but even though David was a mighty hero, he was a man of faith, a man of courage. At this point in verse three and four, he was faced with fear. He didn't know how he was going to get out of that jail cell in Gath. And so I believe that fourthly, he was alarmed by fear. But the question is not, does fear knock at your door? There's probably gonna come a time in your life when fear will knock at your door. But when it knocks, the question is, what do I do when I'm afraid? You see, David did something that he said, when I'm afraid, and then he says in the next sentence, I shall not be afraid. So yes, there are going to be occasions that will shake us up and make us feel a temptation to be fearful. But we can overcome fear. There are things happening right now, for example, in this country, in the United States, that uh, are happening in the banking world. And some are very concerned of what would happen. Some are fearful of the future. But I want to show you from these verses, verses three and four, and it's repeated again in verses 10 and 11. How did David answer fear? He addressed it with faith. That's the fifth point that I want you to understand uh, today is addressing fear with faith. He said, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust. What can flesh do to me? So, it's like an example of what can happen in a life despite the circumstances. Remember, he's sitting in the slammer. Nothing's changed in his circumstances, but what can happen whenever fear is met with faith? There were two sources of David's unshakable faith. What helped him to be confident during this time in his life? I believe two things. One, the character or the person of God. Number two, the covenant or the promises that God had made to him. I believe those same two foundations of faith are repeated in verses 10 and 11. Let me read verse three and four, followed by verse 10 and 11. I think you'll pick up on what I mean. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. So there's God, uh, there's David, putting his trust in the Lord's character. Then he says, in God whose word I praise. So there's David putting his trust in the promises, the word of God, the covenant of God. He says, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? But then when he goes down to verses 10 and 11, it's like he reverses the order of those two. And he puts the word first followed by the character of God. Second, in verse 10, he says, in God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? It's like that was the strongest area of his life was his quiet trust in the Lord. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How can you, how can I, how can we together have that kind of unshakable faith, no matter what's happening in our personal lives? You know what I think it is? We have to saturate ourselves in getting to know God. And we get to know God by staying in the Word. So I encourage you every day to spend some time of that day, some time each and every day in the Word of God It will strengthen your understanding of God's character, and it will also help you understand all of the different uh, components to the covenant that God is making with us. For example, saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a wonderful part of his promise to us. But let's go to something else. Something stood out to me in verses five and six, and when I talk about faith, Perhaps you have this kind of understanding of faith. You see, David was not pretending. He did not have a pretending type of outlook. No, he faced reality. His eyes were wide open. He acknowledged the facts within his situation. There was something much more deeper than mere positive thinking. No, I think when I'm talking about faith, I'm talking about the kind of faith that actually acknowledges the facts, acknowledges the facts. You see, it's biblical trusting. The kind of trusting that is mentioned in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39, where he says, you know, the apostle Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, even though I go through tribulation, even though I go through distresses, even though I go through persecution, even though I go through famine, even though I go through nakedness or danger. He says, no, in all these things, we, speaking of every believer in Christ, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Isn't that great? I mean, nobody's pretending here. It's like even in the midst of, Difficult, hard, miserable times, the Lord is still helping us to have this trust in Him. You know, think about what David describes in verses 5 and 6. He describes some who are, are telling lies about his goals. Some are magnifying his mistakes. They're trying to multiply the opposite opposition stacked up against him. You know, there's some who are spying on his steps and there's some who are trying to unite to uh, say, OK, let's unite together to bring about his death. Let me read five and six again and listen for those kinds of facts. I mean, these are real life things. He says all day long, they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife they lurk, they watch my steps as they have waited for my life. So there's no way that he was trying to pretend. This was not a situation in which he had the luxury of pretending that it wasn't there. No, it was there. But in the midst of that jail cell in Gath, something happened in David's spirit in his mind, in his heart. He had assurance of God's faithfulness, assurance of God's faithfulness. That's the next observation, verses seven and eight and nine. You see, David found this quiet resting place for his spirit. Where? What was it? What was it, the bedrock of it? It was assurance in the faithfulness of God. You see, there were at least three different layers of that assurance in God's faithfulness. He trusted the Lord to be faithful, to bring about vindication. You know, as you're going through your life, perhaps at work or somewhere in your extended relationships, extended family, somewhere out there, you may feel like you were totally misunderstood and you were done wrong. Well, should you respond with revenge No, I think the Bible tells us to let God have that. Let God balance the scales. Here's what it says in verse seven. This is what David was saying. For their crime, will they escape? And there's a question mark. And then he says, in wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. So for all that they were trying to do to to snuff out his life, David still says, Lord, you know what? I trust you that you will take care of it. I don't have to get angry with them. But the other thing I noticed is verse 8. He trusted the Lord to be faithful, to provide David's consolation, his comfort. Listen to what he says in verse 8. God, you have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your books? Wow. Yeah, I like that where he says, you have kept count of my tossings. Has your wife, if you're married or your husband, has your wife or husband ever told you how often you turn over in the bed at night? How often do you toss and turn? How often do you move around? Well, I looked it up and there was one website that said the average sleeper moves 40 to 50 times every single night. So that's quite a thing for him to say, God, you've been keeping count of every time I move and twist and turn and twitch and so forth. But then what about this idea of tears? Do you know that there's three different kind of tears that we have? Yeah, I went on an ophthalmology website and found out there's basal tears that lubricate the eyes, reflex tears that kind of come in to wash out smoke or dirt, that sort of thing. But then of course we know emotional tears whenever we're sad or when we experience joy. But isn't it amazing One website said that we shed 15 to 30 gallons of tears each year. Wow, that would be incredible. So I don't know if that's right or not. Another website said, no, it's more like we shed 17 gallons total over a whole lifetime. So you choose, you could pick. But all I know is however many gallons, listen, God is keeping track. God notices, God says, you know what? I'm keeping all of your tears in a bottle and I'm going to let you know that I love you that much. Man, I think that's incredible consolation. He knew God was faithful to do that. He also knew that God's faithful to give him the motivation to go on there. He sits in that dark jail cell. He doesn't know if he'll escape. He did eventually escape by the way. I want to make sure I say that, but, uh, Anyway, he did escape, but he didn't know perhaps at this point. But look at what he says in verse nine, staggering. Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call this. I know he trusted God. He knew something about God. What does he say next? This I know that God is for me. God is for you. As well. Sometimes we feel God's against us, but He's not. God is for us. And that's the assurance that David had whenever he was there in that uh, prison in Gath assurance of God's faithfulness, acknowledging the facts. He was addressing the fears that he had with faith. He was tired. They were doing this all day long and it made him vulnerable. It made him assailable. He was attacked by these foes. He was alone. He was out of God's will, perhaps, over there in that uh, Philistine territory. But even though he was over there, he was able to call out to God for grace. And I can't help but notice verses 12 and 13 in conclusion. And that is, he had an anticipation about the future. I believe that's something we have to trust God with. We don't always know how it's going to turn out, right? He says in verse 12, I must perform my vows to God, to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you've delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Wow. I think he knew that death's not the last word for those that are following the Lord and walking with the Lord and know the Lord. He was able to thank God before he knew how this whole thing was going to turn out. Wow, I think that's such a wonderful psalm, this uh, Psalm 56. As a matter of fact, Psalm 34 is a companion psalm describing the same exact experience, only Psalm 56 was during the time he's in prison, whereas Psalm 34 was after. Maybe you'll want to read Psalm 34 to see what did he say after he got out of prison? Well, thank you so much for hanging with me. I pray that God will bless your personal trust in the Lord regardless of what you're going through. Let me just pray for us real quick, okay? Lord, thank you so much for my friends. I pray that you would give them a good day today. Uh, Lord, I know that sometimes we go through hard circumstances. Sometimes, oh Lord, it's not a, a very comfortable situation or convenient situation that we're in. But I do believe that we can still trust you, no matter where we are, no matter how dark it is, no matter how uncomfortable it is. So please, O Lord, help my friends to grow in knowing who you are and to grow in their personal trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us at Growing in Grace. I hope you will be with us again. You have a great day. God bless.